This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm your host, Jordan Hill. we got a solo show today coming to you on a rainy Wednesday in Athens, Georgia. Uh, yeah, kind of an interesting uh, setup now. You know, we're going into another week of fall camp. Countdown continues for Georgia, getting ready for that September 3rd game against the Oregon Ducks. So coming to you, appreciate everybody who is watching and listening this morning. Uh, figured what we would do today is have a little bit of a mailbag episode. But uh, before we get to everybody's questions, and I'd be sure to say as well, uh, for the people watching live right now, feel free uh, to throw questions in the comments and I'll try to get to what I can. Uh, the the focus I was going to have to start this episode is just talking about what we've seen and what we've heard so far with fall camp. Obviously, a lot of attention paid to Georgia coming off the national championship. Been pleasantly surprised with how much practice we've gotten to watch so far. You know, it's a situation where uh, you always just sort of wonder, especially for me, I covered this team when I was in college. Uh, that last year was 2016. Coming back this spring, you know, I didn't really know how much we were going to get to watch, how sort of behind the scenes we could really get, which, you know, it hasn't been a lot so far during fall camp, but we've gotten several appearances uh, had a chance to watch a few practices, albeit for a short amount of time. Uh, so, you know, what kind of stands out to me so far, you know, especially with what Kirby talked about Saturday after that first scrimmage, I think that it's fair to say this offense is ahead of the defense, which, you know, I've talked uh, a lot of radio hits already this week, you know, with people interested in what this team looks like, what people are expecting. And I think the fact that the defense lost eight starters from last year, all those guys have been drafted. I think it's no surprise the situation uh, that Georgia finds itself in as far as the defense still kind of finding its its uh, place, finding the guys that they can count on, even finding leaders. You know, I thought that really struck me. But what Kirby said on Saturday, just looking for people to step up and lead, looking for people who, like Kirby said, can kind of grab the bull by the horns. You know, I think it's a situation where that's sort of what's going on. And and I thought Kirby made a good point, and I think it was easy to downplay it after that first scrimmage. You know, these guys on defense haven't really been tackling. You know, that's something that Kirby was aware of, and he said, you know, I can only imagine as a defensive-minded head coach how hard that first scrimmage is because, like he said, it's usually not very pretty as far as tackling. Uh, so I think that wasn't much of a surprise. I think the fact that the offense has gotten as much, you know, praise has gotten guys who clearly are standing out. I mean, I think the two guys, just based on what little we've actually got to watch, uh, what we've heard behind the scenes, I mean, Kenny McIntosh and then Darnell Washington have really kind of stolen the show as far as the offense goes through the early part. I guess we're getting closer and closer to the halfway point of fall camp. 
And, uh, you know, I think it's a situation where you should, if you're a Georgia fan, be very excited about where this team is going. I think by the time we get to this Saturday, that'll be the second scrimmage. To me, that is the point when you really need to look at what this defense is doing. Uh, if we hear from Kirby after that scrimmage, I think it's really crucial that we hear that there's been improvements. And I'm sure this entire week, that's going to be the focus. They're going to want these guys to really rise to the occasion. They want these guys to to understand the magnitude of what's coming, you know, especially week one. You know, I, I look at this Oregon game and it's going to be a challenge. I still think it's a game Georgia wins. And, you know, that line is somewhere just short of three touchdowns. So we'll see how they handle uh, if they could produce something quite like that. But this Oregon team's ranked number 11 uh, in the AP poll, and for good reason. They have talent. So uh, Georgia has to prepare itself before it really starts focusing on Oregon specifically. Uh, besides that, the, the things that really stand out to me about camp right now, my biggest question is Tate Ratledge, uh, the right guard that's dealing with turf toe. And, you know, I think I feel like just in the time since Saturday that I've talked to people, um, that I've been asked about Tate, I, I just always want to emphasize how much we kind of overlook turf toe. And it just, the the sound of that injury doesn't sound quite as severe as it is. I mean, and especially for an offensive lineman who up front is going to be getting stepped on pretty much every other play. You know, it's a guy's already coming off a foot injury that's unrelated to this. But uh, I want to see if we see him in the mix. I want to see if he is able to get back out there, take first team reps when we get to that scrimmage on Saturday. Because again, we go back before that scrimmage this past Saturday, when we talked to Todd Munkin earlier in the week, he really stressed the importance of getting reps. I mean, he said, you know, with Tate specifically, you know, if you're a world-class rifleman, it does you no good to watch somebody shoot a gun. You got to shoot it. You know, you have to go out there and get those reps. And I think any time that Tate misses is significant because they want to have the best five out there. They got to get these five guys on the same page. And I think that's crucial. I think that's a situation where we need uh, to see what happens because obviously they had Jared Wilson, a redshirt freshman working there. You know, if, if they feel like Tate might be in a situation where he's going to miss significant time, you have to look at, you know, Devin Willick, who played right guard at G-Day, who's been really working at left guard so far in fall camp. Uh, that's, to me, the biggest injury to, to really keep an eye on and to see what happens. And, you know, if we're able to watch practice on Thursday, it's going to be something I'm looking at because, you know, there's other guys that are banged up. Obviously, we reported about Arian Smith missing last week or getting hurt last week and, and dealing with the, the hurt ankle. Um, but it's a situation where I don't think there's anything more crucial, more important than getting Tate back. Because if not, it's a huge kind of wrench in the plans for Georgia and, and you know, Stacey Searles and those guys. And Kirby, too, has talked about how good they feel about the options they have. Uh, but having one less option, obviously, would be a huge sort of change of plans as Georgia gets ready for the season. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to say before we got into the questions uh, was just that uh, had a chance to talk to Brock Bowers last night. That's the first time he has been made available at Georgia. I think he talked to some reporters uh, last season after he won a Freshman of the Year award. Uh, but, you know, one, and someone pointed this out on Twitter, and this is, too, coming from me, who obviously was not covering the team last year, wasn't around the team. Seeing Brock Bowers in person 
he didn't kind of look like I expected, you know, I mean, he's, he's still a big guy, but, uh, you know, you kind of get to stand next to him and, and talk to him, uh, kind of not in my head what I had imagined, but very nice. I thought he did a very good job for his first time ever talking, especially in the scrum of media, uh, but very humble guy, uh, was really struck by just his attitude. And he, I thought the thing that really, to me, if you're a Georgia fan, would make you like Brock Bowers even more than the fact that, you know, he's nearly unstoppable at tight end is he was asked about what he did last year and basically did it ever hit him what he was doing. I mean, he winds up setting the Georgia program record for receptions, receiving yards and touchdowns for a tight end as a true freshman. And uh, he was like, you know, it, it kind of hit me about halfway through. He said, you know, that I was, you know, he was just sort of focused on the day to day. And then he was like, huh, well, I guess, I guess I have, <laughs> I have done some stuff, but again, he, he, kind of downplayed it as good of a season as he had and you know I think his quote was that he didn't feel like he had done anything special I know a lot of Georgia fans would probably argue against that uh, but uh, you know it's just a situation where I think you should be very excited uh, if you are a uh, Georgia fan and uh, and should be excited to see what those tight ends do as a whole Um, so we're going to jump into the questions now I'll take a few that I have seen Uh, in the chat and then there's also some we've got from our message board i'm gonna start with craig lawson who asked hearing malachi starks is running with the ones on defense any confirmation when we got to watch i guess that would have been last week not the scrimmage uh but earlier in the week when they put the dime package out there obviously had extra defensive backs out there malachi was the money and you know he was out there and I think there was a few slip-ups along the way. I think, you know, uh, Kirby was talking about some way he read a play and, and should have been somewhere else. Everything we've heard and everything that we have seen, again, what we've seen is still limited. They're going to put Malachi in positions to earn a job. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be the starting safety. I still think it's going to be Chris Smith and Dan Jackson, but I think you're going to see a lot of Malachi starts. And, and that's something I wrote about earlier this week. Kirby has talked about really with these defensive backs as a whole and particularly the freshmen Malachi Ja'Cory Thomas some of these cornerbacks like Dalen Everett they're basically the twos by necessity there's really no depth and it's not really Georgia specific going back to the spring Kirby talked about with receivers and defensive backs both you know a lot of those guys if they're not getting to play right away or they don't like the role they've carved out they're going to go elsewhere. They're going to go, you know, uh, play and transfer. And we saw this last year with some of the guys that left Georgia, Amir Speed, Tavius Brini, some of those guys who either played some and uh, and uh, and got a chance to uh, play elsewhere. That's sort of the situation. They're going to find roles for these young guys. And Malachi is a five-star. Malachi is a very talented guy. You know, he's learning, I think, uh, that it benefited him a great deal. And Kirby said as much on Saturday uh, that uh, he got a chance to enroll early. And uh, he kind of got thrown into the fire. Uh, he went through G-Day, obviously. Wound up being one of the leading tacklers. So I think that's a situation where I think we're going to see a lot of Malachi. I don't think he's going to be one of the starting safeties. But when they work to get extra defensive backs on the field, if they're in dime, I think we're going to see Malachi out there. And uh, there's going to be slip-ups. but that's what happens when you have true freshmen, just period. You know, guys are going to learn by doing, and guys are going to be in situations where 
things might not always go their way, but they're going to learn from it. And uh, I think he's a really talented guy that's got a chance to be really special. Uh, another question I saw uh, in the chat, Jay Evans, do you see Rusal in this class? Uh, you know, that's been one of the focuses uh, for a lot of people, two of the, the guys from Montgomery, uh, two guys that are really, really talented in Alabama. I don't see it. I think those guys, it's kind of a package deal with his teammate there at Carver. Uh, I think they're going to wind up going to Alabama, but, you know, uh, really talented guys. And if that's if they can pull those players and convince them to leave Alabama, that's so hard. Georgia's done it a few times uh, along the way. Um, but uh, I would be kind of, uh, you know, I would be surprised to see him wind up at Georgia, but we'll see because we've seen them pull off uh, surprise commits and, and convince guys uh, that they need to come to Georgia to make plays. Um, but if you were asking me, I don't think he winds up uh, leaving the state of Alabama. Uh, so uh, we'll go through some of these questions from the, uh, the uh, message board. Guys uh, had a chance to ask us questions there. Um, I'll, I'll just read off some of the questions and our producer Jordan can throw them up on the screen for you guys. Uh, just going in order uh, from what I was able to pull. Hooper Dog asked, best freshman wide receiver on the team, including Oscar Delp. Uh, Oscar's gotten some praise even as a tight end. He kind of got uh, worked uh, through, um, you know, kind of worked into the conversation when they were talking about uh, freshman pass catchers, freshman wide receivers. The guy that, to me, has been the talk of fall camp and, and the guy that even just what little we've gotten to watch has looked really impressive is Dylan Bell. And this is a guy that was a three-star from Texas, you know, kind of a late addition, kind of a guy that wasn't talked about a lot. If you see him live, if anybody gets a chance to watch any of these videos, if you look at Dylan Bell, he looks like the real deal. Not only from just the way he's built, because I mentioned this on the message board at one point, somebody was standing beside me, another beat reporter, uh, and we were just standing there talking, watching different things. And Dylan Bell walked by to go to the receiver drill, and the the guy standing next to me was like, "Oh my god!" And I was like, "What?" And he was pointing at Dylan. Just the way he's built. Again, this is a true freshman, and this is a guy uh, that came in the summer, so it's not like he had a chance uh, to go through spring and go through all that. Uh, he looks like a, a guy that can contribute. Uh, there was another question about Dylan that I'll go ahead and tackle. Uh, Hunker down. Said, "What role can Dylan Bell play this year if he if he does play?" I think he's going to play. I don't think he's going to be one of the starting receivers, um, but I think they're in a position where they're going to mix in a lot of different wide receivers and give them reps and, and give different looks. I think he's a guy, he's like 6'2", uh, and, and his built, again, uh, really stands out. Uh, I think he's got a chance to play a good bit, and I think this situation, kind of going back to what I was saying about the defensive backs, uh, that uh, you know they are going to be called on because they really have nobody else to call on. It's a situation where they need uh, guys that are willing to prove themselves and guys that uh, have a chance to really shine and really stand out. Uh, that's just sort of the situation right now. And I think you should feel cautiously optimistic when you hear what you're hearing about Dylan Bell, a, a younger receiver a, and a guy that's still just kind of learning his way. I think he's got a chance to play a, a significant role. I could see him, you know, being in the mix with like a Jackson Meeks, a guy that I covered in high school who has gotten a lot of attention too. And I thought played really well back at G-Day. You know, I think there's kind of these tiers of receivers. And uh, another question 
kind of related to that, um, that that will be 3318 asked was the top three receivers right now. The tier to me at the top among the receivers is still pretty clear to me. Adonai Mitchell, Ladd McConkey, uh, and then Kiris Jackson. I think those three are going to be the guys are going to be when they have three receivers out there. Uh, those are going to be the three. But I think there's a tier out below them, a Dominic Blaylock, a Jackson Meeks, a Marcus Rosemi, Jack Saint, and then again, a freshman Dylan Bell. I think those guys have a chance to play and, and play quite a bit. They won't be the starters, and you know they may not have you know leading receptions or a ton of receiving yards, but I think those guys have a real window uh, to play and to play significantly. And I think that that is uh, something especially when you look at Dylan Bell's case, especially when you look at Jackson Meeks, a sophomore. When you're at a program like Georgia, I think you should just sort of take that in. I think you should really appreciate the chance just to play and, and to get a chance to, to see the field uh, because eventually you are going to be called on in a bigger way. So, um, you know, I think it's a situation with those guys, with Dylan Bell specifically, I still think they're going to be behind those more proven, experienced guys. Um, but I think they have a chance to play a good bit. And I think when the year's said and done, some of those guys are going to make plays that can be the difference in some games for Georgia. And uh, again, I don't think we're going to see a situation with like a Dylan Bell where it's like George Pickens in 2020 when all of a sudden he's leading the team, or I guess that was 2019, he was leading the team uh, in yards and, and all of a sudden, you know, is the clear breakthrough guy. I'm not sure that Dylan Bell is quite ready to, go ahead and, and jump to wide receiver one. Uh, but I think he's a really talented guy, and I think he can help this team. Uh, so we're going to take a break real quick, but we'll come back. Got plenty of questions, uh, both from the message board and also in the chat. Uh, so we'll take a break and then get right back to it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back, everybody. Well, yeah, we'll get to some of the questions in the comments. Uh, Jason Ray said, how is Dan looking? <laughs> One tough SOB. Again, you know, I think that was a, a situation with Dan Jackson that a lot of people had questions about. It, was he really going to be the guy? Was he really going to be the, the person they counted on, you know, a walk on? Is he really who they can rely on? And I had questions about that in the spring, and I thought, nah, it's just a matter of time before one of these guys, you know, that they've recruited that they really think highly of passes him. I feel pretty confident nobody's passing Dan Jackson. I think Dan is going to be that starting safety opposite Chris Smith. Very, you know, very elusive speed, very fast guy, very, a guy that has learned and has proven and and earned the respect. Again, I think when you think about Dan Jackson, think about the coaches that are working with him and, and that are working with all these players and Kirby Smart and Will Muschamp, guys who have coached defensive backs, guys that have experience as safeties, they know what they're looking for. And I think that the fact that they feel as confident as they do about Dan Jackson, Dan Jackson, who Will Muschamp said was the second best walk on, 
uh, safety in Georgia history. Will was referring to himself as the first, uh, obviously. But uh, they rely on him and they feel comfortable with him. And I think as much as uh, some people may not feel comfortable with Dan or, or maybe wonder, is our best option really going to be a walk-on? I think you really need to trust these coaches. I think these guys, especially at that position, to me, other than like inside linebacker, safety is probably one of those positions with this particular coaching staff, you should just trust and run with it because I think uh, it's a situation where they know what they're looking for and those are the guys uh, they can trust. And uh, it'll be very interesting uh, to see once we get into the season just how Dan comes along, you know, being relied on as the guy. Last year, he got popped into the lineup when Chris got hurt. Obviously, a very different situation, but uh, I think uh, I think he's got a very bright future. And again, yeah, I, I've heard nothing but good things about him through fall camp, and I think he is going to be one of the starters. Uh, looking at another question in the chat, uh, let's see uh, who will be the other two starters on the D line alongside Jalen Carter. That was from Craig Lawson. Uh, that's a situation I think they're still kind of figuring out. I think, uh, based on what I've seen and what I've heard, I think the nose tackle is going to be Zion Logue. He's an experienced guy. He's been a guy that I've been very impressed when we've talked to him. Obviously, what he does on the field, how he plays, uh, is something he takes to heart and things he's been working on. But he's talked a ton about growing as a leader. And, I mean, some of the times he's talked about it, it's kind of been unprompted about, you know, he's not been asked specifically about leadership. He's talked about, uh, you know, needing to step up for his teammates. And I think that's something this defense desperately needs. That's something Kirby said after that scrimmage, that that was what this defense really, really needs is somebody to step up. I think Zion's going to be that guy, but I think we're going to see rotations. You know, I think we're going to see Nazir Stackhouse, who I thought played really well. Uh, in the spring game, I think Warren Brinson too. Oh, Warren may be sort of that backup to Jalen and get some reps there as well. Uh, but the the big question still to me is defensive end. Uh, someone had asked, and I'll bring this up while we are talking about the defensive line. UGALM24 asked, how is Tyrion Ingram Dawkins doing? And uh, Tyrion's kind of my big wild card as far as a defensive line because he was a guy He's built more like a defensive tackle, but at G-Day, whether it was you know out of uh, feeling like they didn't have other options, there were some injuries as far as defensive end. They put him on the starting line uh, with the first-team defense alongside Jalen Carter uh, and Zion Logan. I thought he performed really, really well. And uh, when we had a chance last week to talk to Glenn Schumann, uh, he talked about how seriously Tyrion uh, took getting uh, into better shape as far as playing defensive end because what you are asked to be as far as size and, and, and being able to move and being able to set the edge and come around, uh, you know, I, I think it's very different than what he came to Georgia to play and, and what he was used to playing. But Schumann really praised him and, and said that uh, he had done a very good job of getting in conditioning and, and getting in shape. So, you know, Tyrion is a guy that I think is in the mix for defensive end. Tramel Walthour uh, is a guy that was hurt during the spring, uh, had a knee scope, and wasn't able to play at G-Day. He's the experienced guy. I mean, he's one of the older guys on the entire defense at this point. Uh, has a chance to win that role. I think he got some looks there uh, during that scrimmage on Saturday. He, To me, it's those two guys. And then Mikael Williams, a guy that a lot of people are very, very excited about, and I think for good reason. 
you know, the, the entire coaching staff that has talked about Mike Hill have had nothing but good things to say about him. And, you know, I think it's a situation where they don't feel the need to do that. I don't think it, they're doing it, uh, you know, just because he is one of their top signees and a five-star and a guy uh, that they were really excited about flipping uh, from USC and, and had a chance uh, to uh, get him into the mix and get him into the fold. Uh, so, you know, I think right now, to me, it's going to be either Ingram Dawkins or Walt Hour. Uh, I really liked what I saw from Ingram Dawkins during spring. And uh, again, I'm, I'm interested. I'm hoping that on Thursday we'll get a chance to watch uh, a little bit of practice, which will be, you know, maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes. But to see if there is sort of a different look, a different lineup on the defensive line uh, and get a chance to see who's really getting in the mix because uh, we all know Jalen Car- Carter's talented. I think he's got a chance to have a very, very good season. I think uh, the praise he's gotten backs up what we keep hearing as people consider him to be a potential top five pick. Uh, I think anything, uh, you know, there there have been no signs that tell me, well, let's hit the brakes or, well, this guy's not quite ready. At the same time, he's not going to be able to do it alone. He needs guys like a Zion Lowe, like a Tyrion Ingram Dawkins, like a Tremel Walthour to step up around him because teams are going to be doubling him. Teams are going to pay attention to Jalen Carter and uh, he's going to need guys around him to step up uh, to uh, limit uh, their impact and uh, and to make sure that Jalen can make plays when he gets an opportunity. Uh, going back to the message board, the dog who barks asks, Georgia repeats in 2022 if we blank. This is kind of a two-part question. If you could add one former UGA great to help this team boost their odds at repeating, who would you add? Georgia repeats in 2022 if we see real growth from the inside linebackers. I think that's sort of where I stand right now is that this defense still has a lot of talent. But to me, the the two groups that are going to make or break a, a legitimate chance at a title run to me are that defensive line that we just talked about because uh, you just can't really put a price on what losing Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt and, and Trayvon Walker as well. Uh, you know, there are some huge holes to fill in this defensive line. They need guys to step up. And then, two, the you know, I, I answered it with inside linebackers. Uh, we had a question on the board. It might have been last week where someone had asked, uh, you know, who is the biggest loss on this team? Who is someone who has gone from the 2021 team uh, that, you know, you're really going to know it's really going to feel a lot of different answers, a lot of good answers, but I really just, I cannot go away from N'Kobe Dean. I, I don't know if I've ever seen somebody play the game as consistently as he did, where it looked like when you're playing your little brother in NCAA or Madden and you keep looking over and you can see what he's calling and he doesn't realize it, but you keep, you know, you're at, you're at where the ball's going before he's even thrown it there. And, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, it's like, wait a second. Uh, Nakobe could diagnose plays like nobody I've ever seen. You know, I think specifically about a play against Kentucky where they threw one out to the flats. And I mean, he was there, but he barely was behind the ball. I, I just think you can't put a price on what Nakobe Dean and those other inside linebackers, Quay Walker, Channing Tindall, those are all guys drafted in the first three rounds. Uh, that's a situation where. Uh, you know, I feel like uh, losing those guys, if they can have the inside linebackers step up, Jamon Dumas Johnson, uh, you know, Tresman Marshall, we've heard a lot about. Smile Munden is a guy that 
I thought going in the spring was really someone I thought had a chance to really stand out and, and step up, wind up having surgery, couldn't go. But we've heard good things about him this uh, fall. Uh, they need those guys to step up and play consistently. Uh, as far as who I would add, I thought uh, Jordan Harris has a good suggestion with Roquan Smith. I think he would be a good one. The guy that I think just for entertainment's sake and just to see what he would do, that uh, would be Greg Blue. I feel like him playing alongside Chris Smith might have to work with the leading with the head. You know, game's changed a little bit <laughs> since Greg played and uh, may have to work on uh, avoiding a few targeting penalties. But Roquan's a very good suggestion. I think it would be defensive guys. I think it would be a Roquan. Uh, I think it would be a, a Greg Blue. Uh, I'd like to see, again, David Pollock. What would he do as part of this defensive line? Uh, probably have to put on a few more pounds today uh, compared to when he was playing back in the day. Um, but uh, I would stick with defense. I would stick with uh, probably a Greg Blue or Roquan Smith. Those guys would be very good. Blue would be ejected quarter one. Yeah, Craig, I think you've got a very good point because you watch some of those highlights now, and, man, they were big plays, and Greg can make plays. But, hey, I'm not going to put it past Greg Blue to be able to adjust and, and figure out a way to stay on the field. Uh, looking through some of the other questions we got from the board. Um, let's see, Brave Wolf 98 how do you think the inside linebacker position will be utilized this year with the younger, more inexperienced players? And uh, he, he went on to ask, you know, uh, will we see a lot of double-A gap blitzes, sort of specific things like that. I think we're going to see a situation with these inside linebackers when they are, when this coaching staff, is in a position where they feel very comfortable with these guys to be counted on that I think they are going to they're going to come after opposing teams and I think they're not going to hesitate. I think this coaching staff has gotten the reputation it has because it knows how to attack offenses and how to create havoc. I mean that's essentially what uh their style of playing defense is. So you know, we might see a situation where in that Oregon game, maybe things don't look quite like that. Maybe they, you know, sort of ease these guys in, but I still don't think they're going to hold back. I mean, we're going to see uh, what they see as the perfect game plan to beat Oregon. I think they're going to work for these next, you know, I guess two, three weeks before that Oregon game to get these guys in a position where they can count on those guys, where Glenn Schumann or Will Muschamp, Kirby as well, can call plays with the confidence that these guys can make them, that you know they're not going to change the way they call games uh, just because uh, the situation may not uh, be quite like it was when you had a Nicobe Dean and a Channing Tindall and a Quay Walker. That's just sort of uh, the situation uh, that uh, they're going into. So maybe you'll see it kind of rain back early on, but I still think that this defense is uh, – is not going to hesitate and is going to want to come after people. And uh, they're not going to put people out there on the field if they don't feel like uh, they can count on them. Craig Lawson uh, just asked uh, in the chat, who is your ideal starting O-line? Assuming everyone is healthy, I think it's the one they had been working with uh, before Tate Ratledge got hurt. So that would be left tackle Broderick Jones, left guard Devin Willick, center Cedric Van Pran, Tate Ratledge at right guard, and Warren McClendon at right tackle. I think that's a very strong lineup. I mean, I, I feel like the only question I had going into fall camp, or my two biggest questions, was one, would Tate Ratledge, you know, be healthy? Would he be a guy they could count on early on? And, uh, you know, he was, and then wound up getting banged up, and we'll see what he can do. 
Um, the left guard was the big question. Was it going to be, you know, I kind of thought it was going to be Xavier Truss, but, you know, he's gotten a little bit of work there, and Devin has moved over from right guard. Um, you know, the the wild card with the offensive line was going to be Amarius Mims. Was it a situation they felt like he it was recruiting, you know, five-star that was recruited to play tackle? Could he make the move inside? And just based on what we've seen, I think they are more comfortable with him. You know, he's taken second-team right tackle reps. Uh, he's a guy that I think they feel more comfortable knowing what the sport costs, what it takes as far as physicality and and the physical toll it takes. They would rather have Mims uh, kind of hang back and, and be basically that next man up, particularly at either tackle position. Uh, so I, I think that's a situation where um, I, I think what they were rolling with early looked good to me. I, I think if they felt good about left guard, I could go either way with Truss or Willock. I think either one of those guys makes sense there. Um, but it's a, it's a situation that's going to be uh, worth watching in a situation uh, that uh, will um, be huge because I feel like this offense is going to be in a good spot. I think they've got good options on the offense. Um, it's just a matter of the offensive line uh, coming together and, and then making the most of the time that they've got left. Let's see. Uh, will Georgia have a thousand yard rusher from Craig Lawson? I don't know, but uh, the guy that I think would be that 1,000-yard rusher would be Kenny McIntosh. He's probably been the story of fall camp. He's been a guy that, you know, a lot of expectations were put on him. Uh, is a situation where they need guys to step up after losing Zamir White and James Cook to the NFL. They need players to rise to the occasion. And it sounds like from everything we've heard and from what we've gotten to watch, Kenny's done that. I think he understands the situation ahead of him and, and understands he's got a really good opportunity. And if you're a Georgia fan, I think you should be extra excited when it comes to Kenny because of where the running back room is right now. Kendall Milton dealing with a, another hamstring injury. And then you've got Dejon Edwards, who I, I'm really at a point where I think he's going to play a good bit. You know, Even if he winds up being that third back uh, behind McIntosh and Milton, I think that he's gotten a lot of praise, and, and the way he handled uh, games down the stretch last year when he was called on, I think he's got a, an opportunity to really help out. But then you've got those guys, and you've got the two freshmen who, as impressive as they've looked, had another question about that. I think from the message board, uh, you know, I think Andrew Paul has looked really, really good. Just look at him. I think he looks like a college running back, and I think that Branson Robinson's done well from what I've gotten to watch and what I've seen and uh, what we've heard, um, but they're still going to learn, you know, as much as uh, they can look good right now during fall camp, once you get into, you know, playing South Carolina at noon and 90 degree weather and uh, everybody's getting excited and getting really loud and Williams Bryce, that's a little bit different than taking uh, handoffs right now in Athens uh, with the season right around the corner. So, uh, you know, I, I would give the edge definitely right now to Kenny McIntosh. He looks the part uh, of a, uh, a a leading back. Uh, I, I don't know if he quite gets 1,000 yards just because I think they're going to mix it in, mix it up with these guys and keep these guys fresh. Georgia's never really hesitated to, to utilize their depth. And uh, looking at the schedule, I think there's going to be ample opportunities for Georgia to work in these backups. I think there's going to be – Maybe not to the quite the point we saw last year, but 
I think there's going to be a number of blowouts. I think there's going to be opportunities for some of these guys like a Dejon Edwards, like an Andrew Paul, like a Branson Robinson to take a lot of reps and, and, uh, you know, kind of spell those guys at the top of the depth chart, which again, that kind of hurts when you're looking at yards and, and looking at trying to hit certain figures and things like that. Um, but I think it's for the betterment of the team as this team, again, even with everything that's lost, they're going to chase another national championship. And, uh, I think that, even if they don't hit that 1,000-yard mark, any of those backs, I think they're really primed for another good year. Uh, we'll take another question uh, from the message board, and I'll probably get to a couple more in the chat before we get out of here. 311 Bruja asked, more receiving yards this year, the tight end room or the receiver room? Really tough question. You know, I think that's sort of the situation that uh, we're gonna try. We're trying to find out and trying to decipher right now. I still kind of lean with the tight end room just because of the amount of talent. And I think the thing that I keep coming back to was at the start of fall camp, I asked Kirby about Kyrus Jackson, just kind of going back to the spring because Kyrus had talked about how he felt like he hadn't maximized his potential. He had told us coming off of G-Day, you know, I have not been Kyrus Jackson at Georgia. And I just kind of asked Kirby about that. But the point that Kirby made which again was really unrelated to the question uh was that you know Kyrus is not only kind of competing with these other receivers but he's competing with the tight ends because there's situations where georgia may decide to put another tight end on the field take one of those receivers off i think they understand that they've got you know talent that really seems unprecedented at tight end all at the same time and I think they're ready to utilize it. Now, what that looks like, it's hard to say. Two tight end sets, three tight end sets. Did they even put one of those tight ends out out wide and let them, you know, play that way, which obviously is something we've seen before. I, I think uh, the tight ends just have so much talent right now, and I think while they're not going to be all out there at the same time for all 12 games and then the postseason, because, you know, you want to capitalize on those mismatches and use them uh, but not overuse them, and also try to keep those guys healthy. You don't want to do something silly early in the year where uh, you have an opportunity uh, to uh, to to really use these guys for a whole season, maximize the depth you have there, and, and try to go through and, and have a good year. Uh, kind of going off of that, Craig asked, who has the bigger 2022 season, Eric Gilbert or Brock Bowers? I still think it's Brock. I think that Brock is primed. I think he's trusted, and I think he's a guy that I, I still really feel like he's going to be this team's leading receiver. I think he's got an opportunity uh, to to build off of what was an incredible freshman year. And uh, I think, again, having more time with Stetson Bennett, which has been sort of, if there's been one point I feel like I've really repeated again and again going back to spring practice, is just having Stetson as the QB1, you know, undisputed, uh, very clearly the guy, I think it benefits the whole offense. And I think it's an opportunity uh, for this offense to take a step forward, which I believe is possible. Uh, I wrote about this last week in the very first edition of Hill's Spill. Uh, but, uh, you know, people think Stetson could be a dark horse Heisman candidate. I don't quite see that. But I still think with the numbers he put up and the success he had last year, I think it's very possible that he can take a step forward, that he – has a chance being that number one, building and sharpening those relationships with his tight ends and his receivers, 
and, and even really becoming closer and, and really understanding more uh, of what Todd Munkin wants out of this offense, Todd's philosophy, and those two being on the same page about what they like and what they see and, and what they want the offense to look like. I just think uh, it, it's something that can't be overstated. I think that Georgia's got an opportunity to have a really good year on offense. And, you know, people have talked about the offense having to carry the defense. I don't think that's necessarily the case, and that's something Todd Munkin kind of pushed back on. Um, but uh, I think they got a chance to have a really good year. And I think if you're a Georgia fan, uh, having this amount of talent really on both sides, but especially coming back on offense, I think it sets up to be a, a very entertaining season and something worth watching. So uh, we're going to wrap it up there. Appreciate everybody with the questions, uh, both on the board and in the chat. Appreciate you guys watching. Appreciate you guys listening. Uh, we will wrap it up there. Uh, thanks, everybody, uh, for tuning in and for listening. And until next time, take care.